Good morning, folks, and uh, thanks for joining us again this morning uh, through the online services. I pray again that, that you are doing well and we're continuing to grow uh, as God leads us. Um, I know that there are a lot of things probably in your heart and your mind as we saw some things unfold in our country this week that were discouraging and Lord, I, I just pray that you are looking to the one that is authoring and perfecting your faith as you deal with the circumstances that we're in right now. I, I find that there's no mistake that we are looking at what it means to have our faith transform us in a world that wants us to conform. And so as we continue looking into that series, we're going to move forward now in the book of Genesis and and look at a man named Joseph. A lot of you should be familiar with Joseph and the story of Joseph. If you have uh, seen some of the plays written about his life or other things, then you know the storyline. If not, Genesis chapter 37 is where it begins and, and runs clear to the end of the book of Genesis. It's, uh, it's well worth the time to read and to follow the ups and downs of Joseph's life. And we're going to do that today in somewhat of a story format to pull out the principle. You know, last week we looked at Abraham's faith and we saw him lead his son Isaac to the point of sacrifice even. And God stopped Abraham, spoke to him directly and said, don't do this thing, I will provide the ram." And God continues to do that in our lives through no earthly explanation, provide things that we need sometimes before we even know that we need them. As we think about how Abram led his family and, and Isaac, and then there's Jacob, as we're going to see today, and then Joseph, the great-grandson of Abraham, we're going to follow Joseph's life because Joseph was another man that was plagued by circumstance. God allowed a lot of things to happen to Joseph that, that were outside of the ordinary. And there's no accounting that God spoke to Joseph the way that he did to Abraham. It is as if the faith of Abraham commuted through Isaac and then to Jacob and then to Joseph. It became a lineage of faithfulness based on what they had seen the patriarchs do, the, the leaders of their families. And that's why I thought it was so important for us to, to grapple last week with, with Abraham leading Isaac and what it was that Abraham saw God doing and how Isaac saw it all unfold and the impact that that would have on generations. So if you'll join me in Genesis chapter 37, we'll find the grandson of Abraham, Jacob, his family line. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, who was Jacob as God renamed him, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had, had, he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him 
And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, he hated, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So inside of that short passage, you need to gather that there is Jacob, who is the father of Joseph. He has many brothers. We know he has 12. There were 12 all in told. And so Joseph is the next to youngest. He's one of the youngest. He is born to Rachel. Remember, if you remember the story, if you've read through Genesis already this year, um, he was dearly loved by Jacob, more so than the others. He's the one that, that wore the, the ornate robe, the multicolored dream coat as the, as the play uh, directs it. All of those things are true of Joseph. He lived kind of a charmed life. His father loved him more than the rest of his brothers. And he has this dream. He has two dreams, actually. One, that there would be sheaves of grain that numbered the numbers of his brothers. And the sheaves of grain would all bow down to Joseph. And then one, that there is the moon and the sun and the stars all bow down to Joseph in the middle and so he tells his brothers who already don't like him because he's more popular with their father than they are, that this dream has happened to him that these sheaves of grain will bow down and they number the number of his brothers. And then he tells his father and his mother and, and also the brothers that they are all going to bow down to him. And someday they're wondering what this dream means this didn't help Joseph's status in the family. As he began to say these things, the brothers and the rest of the family began, began to wonder if Joseph thought of himself more highly than he should. As a matter of fact, in verse 11 of Genesis 37, after he shares those dreams, it says in verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So the stage is set that Joseph is not very well liked in his own family by his brothers. He's the most favorite son of his father, but that puts him in a place of, of frustration and, and quarrel with the rest of his family because they want that favored position. He's not the oldest. There's, there's no reason why he should be in that position inside of their culture. And so we see this boil and boil and boil and life goes on and Joseph continues to do what he is told. His father sends him out to check again on his brothers and he knows, uh, Jacob knows that Joseph will be honest with him about his brothers. And so they seize that opportunity. This is the, the climax of the family story. They see Joseph coming out to visit them in the field. They already know he gives bad reports about them. They believe he's the favorite of their father. And now he is the dreamer that says, you're all going to bow down to me someday. And all of this is boiling in them and they are jealous and they 
they seize the opportunity and they throw him into a well. They, they wanted to kill him, but Reuben, the oldest brother, talked him out of it. So they throw them into this well and they wait and they wait and they finally hatch a scheme that they can also benefit from their, from their brother's demise. So they say, why should we not at least gain from what we're doing? Let's sell Joseph. And as they talk in amongst themselves, these Midianites in chapter 37, verse 28, a caravan of Midianite merchants. Meanwhile, the Midianite merchants came by and his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. They got rid of their problem. And Joseph, by really no fault of his own, is now been sold into slavery and taken to Egypt. The brothers go back and tell their father that, that Joseph is dead, that he's gone, that he, he's been killed by a wild animal. And the Midianites carry Joseph off to Egypt. And in verse 36 of chapter 37, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Potiphar's officials, the captain of the guard. So the brothers in their jealousy sell Joseph to Egypt to the Midianites, the Midianites carry him, carry him to Egypt. In Egypt, he is sold into the household of Potiphar, a powerful, rich man inside of Egypt. He's now going to be a slave to Potiphar. And Potiphar notices quickly that things kind of change um, when Joseph arrives and we see Joseph's faith lived out. We understand that his, his father is racked with sorrow and guilt in this moment because his son is gone. The brothers are still gloating because they made money on selling the brother that was so uh, troublesome to their life. But what about Joseph? He's now been sold into slavery in the household of an Egyptian and in chapter 39, we really pick up his story, the part of the story that is critical to what we need to hear. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there to Egypt. And the Lord was with Joseph, and so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. There again is no record of God speaking directly to Joseph like he did with Abraham and others. We see Joseph go through this tumultuous time, ending up as a slave inside of Potiphar's house. But the only thing that the writer of Genesis records for us is that God was with him, that the Lord was with Joseph. 
and he prospered. His faithfulness was lived out because we have to believe that Joseph was faithful to God even through this circumstance. And as Joseph was faithful to God and to Potiphar's household, everything prospered. And Joseph was elevated to be the the one that was in charge of everything in Potiphar's household. The only one that could tell Joseph no was Potiphar. Everything prospered until one day Potiphar's wife took notice of how good-looking Joseph was. Again, no fault of his own. Joseph was good-looking and handsome and and well-built, the scriptures tell us. And Potiphar's wife took a liking to him and started to pursue him, eventually accusing him of trying to take advantage of her, Potiphar's wife. So Joseph, the favored son, sold into slavery by his brothers, elevated to the top of Potiphar's household as God would have him be as he's faithful, only to be accused of sexual misconduct by Potiphar's wife. And when Potiphar finds out in verse 21 or 20 of 39, Joseph's master, Potiphar, took him, he put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. This has begun to be a bit like a roller coaster. Favored son, slave, top of the household for Potiphar, accused Sexual misconduct, then in prison, elevated then to being in charge of the prison because God was with him in his circumstance. The thing that continues to resonate throughout Joseph's life is that the Lord was with him, that the Lord showed him kindness, granted him favor in the eyes of the warden in this certain circumstance. As he trusted God and not his circumstances. That transforming faith that we talked about that lived in his great-grandfather Abraham. That, that it was not a transaction. It was one, not a one-time deal where, where God says, I will do this and you will get this and it's over. It is a lifetime of faith lived out through the, the great-grandson here, Joseph. As Joseph continues to believe that his God will be faithful in and through slavery, through accusation, through despair, all the way through his life. He could have said, I lived as I should before God and man, but now I end up in prison. But none of that is recorded. It just says that the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor. Something in Joseph's demeanor was different inside of his circumstances. And we have to believe that he trusted God and not his circumstances. The next couple of chapters, chapters 40 and 41, you'll see inside of version, there are two servants from the king that are sent to prison. 
Joseph interprets their dreams. Both of the dreams come true, proving that Joseph was in contact with, with a higher power, that God was definitely in his favor. And one of them returns back to his place in the kingdom, but forgets all about Joseph. And Joseph is left in prison for two more years, it says. He evaluates these dreams, does exactly what God asks of him to help these men out while they're in prison, and then spends two more years in prison before the cupbearer remembers this. Pharaoh is about to have a dream. Now the highest official in the world at that time was about to have a dream that he needed interpreted, and the cupbearer who was in prison would remember this. Chapter 41, verses 8 to 16. In the morning, his mind was troubled, and so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dream, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard, who happened to be where Joseph was at, right? The captain of the guard, Potiphar. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. And the young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And as things turned out, exactly as he interpreted them to us, I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. No one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you... When you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied. But God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. Joseph, great-grandson of Abraham, favored son, right? despised brother, sold into slavery, head of Potiphar's household, accused of crimes, thrown in prison, in charge of the prison, taking care of everything that needed done there, now is standing before Pharaoh in Egypt interpreting a dream. And when Pharaoh communicates that I believe you have the answer I need, I've been told that you can interpret these dreams for me, Joseph's first reply is I cannot do it. The revelation into Joseph's character that we've been looking for. The simple phrase that, that the Lord was with him echoes through our minds as you read the story of Joseph. But this is the first time in his own words we see the humility and the transformation of his heart. 
that he truly trusts God, not his circumstances. He's standing now in the place of a man that could change his life. He's been in prison all of these years, and now he stands in front of the most powerful man in the region. And he says, I can't do it. It's not me, but my God will give you the answer that you desire. How profound is that? To believe that, to be put in a place where we could help to direct the country, direct the world, but only to remember that it's with God's help that all of that is possible. It's a pretty profound moment when you realize that. When your faith transforms you to the place where you realize that everything you do is actually orchestrated by God. When you submit your life in every circumstance, whether you are in charge of many things or whether you're the lowest man on the totem pole, the best thing you can do is to trust God, not your circumstance. To continue to do what it is you are good at in and out of all those circumstances. So God is going to give the answers to Pharaoh through Joseph. Pharaoh's dream, in a nutshell, is there's going to be a great famine in the region. And get ready. Get prepared. Joseph tells Pharaoh, this is what's coming, and I believe we can and will overcome it by preparation because God has allowed us to see it before it happened. Pharaoh's response in verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Now Joseph is elevated to a place higher than ever before, higher than when he was in his family's home, higher than in Potiphar's home, higher than when he was in charge of the prison. Now, in respect to Egypt, he is the second in command. Only one that can tell him no is the Pharaoh himself. That all of the Pharaoh's servants are to submit to his orders. He's back on top over all of Egypt and he begins to save the grain that is necessary as God gives him insights into this dream that Pharaoh had. He begins to do what it is that he needs to do to save grain, to prepare for the years when there will not be food in the land. The entire region is overcome by famine. It actually happens. The record of it here is, is in Genesis. The entire region is swallowed up by famine. And this is where it gets really interesting. Joseph, this young man that was sold into slavery, spent time in prison, is now in charge of the most powerful 
place in the world, in that region, in, in that moment, because they're the only ones that have grain because God provided the dream to Pharaoh and the interpretation to Joseph. So as God reveals what's going on and Joseph puts his plan in motion, the entire region is thrown into chaos and there's not food to be had and that includes Joseph's family. Jacob and his brothers were also engulfed in the famine. They didn't know that it was coming. Joseph was the only one that was told, remember? Through Pharaoh, he was let in on the dream. God had orchestrated this. And, and in chapter 42 of Genesis, we start to see the closing of the narrative, the story that, that God has been writing for these 13 or 14 chapters. In chapter 42, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do we just keep looking at each other? He continued. I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. So go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. And then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. Joseph was faithful in Egypt, not knowing still what God was doing. He had brought Joseph to a place where he would be protected, where he would be provided for. He was the second in command, and they had food in Egypt because of Joseph, because God had been faithful to Joseph, because God had seen that Joseph was faithful to him. The amazing thing is that as Joseph is faithful in Egypt... As J Joseph does what he's supposed to do, where he is at at that moment, it saves his family. His brothers show up in need of grain so that as his father put it, we will live and not die. They were on the verge of death. And Joseph, being faithful in Egypt, saved his family. He provided for them. The story goes on over the next seven or eight chapters. He brings them to himself, eventually reveals who he is. He invites his brothers to live with him in Egypt and into his care. He brings his father and his brothers under his protection. Joseph, whom they sold into slavery, who Jacob thought was dead, is now their savior they are the ones that are incredibly thankful for Joseph. Joseph just did what he thought he was supposed to do in the circumstance where he found himself. Sold into slavery, the Lord was with him and he, he did what he was supposed to do and elevated himself to the top servant in the household of Potiphar. When accused of crimes and found himself in prison, his circumstance didn't dictate his work ethic or his love for God. He was elevated to being in charge of the prison. And then when Pharaoh found out who Joseph was and God showed his favor on Joseph again, he was elevated to control of all of Egypt so that he could then save his family 
as well as Egypt. In verse 15 through 21 of chapter 50, we start to conclude the story. We bring it to an end because we read that Jacob has passed away. The brothers are the only ones that left and now they're concerned because they're afraid that their father was the only reason that Joseph was being kind to them. So Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father has left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to him, to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. In the end, we see a man that trusted God with his life. We see that, that Joseph treats his brothers kindly, that, that they were concerned about their circumstance, right? Their circumstance had changed. Joseph's father was dead and they thought that the only protection between them and Joseph was Jacob, their father. And Jacob, Joseph then says to his brothers, don't worry about your future. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make this right because I understand what's been going on from the beginning and to the end. Joseph sees it that he trusted God in all of his circumstances. And now he's going to get to teach his brothers that lesson. That if you trust God in your circumstances, things will work out the way that God wants them and better than what you maybe foresee them. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. What is happening now is the saving of many lives. You see a man that trusted God with his own life, that Joseph trusted him in the highs and in the lows and throughout all of his life, no matter what, he trusted God in his circumstances, that God was with him. And now he's teaching his brothers, listen, it wasn't that I'm being kind to you for your father's sake. I am following God and God's plan. I am entrusting myself to the God of my great-grandfather Abraham, my grandfather Isaac, my father Jacob, and my God. None of this would have been possible without me trusting 
God in my circumstances. And the really cool thing that, that I want you to think about this week, that Joseph trusted him, his life to God. In this circumstance, he not only trusted his life, but he also trusts the life of his family to God as well. That as he sees it all unfold, he knows what's going on. That, that the saving of many lives and I get a chance to provide for my family as a result of my faithfulness to God. He sees that he trusts his own life, the life of his family. And I want you to know that, that in this moment, Joseph's faithfulness impacted you as well. That your eternity was different because of Joseph. You see, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, is the lineage of Jesus, the one that we put our hope and our trust in, the one that saves us from our sins. And inside of that line is Jacob, who is the father of Joseph. And then the firstborn son to Jacob is Judah. The one that, that is in this group of brothers that Joseph spares, that he has kindness on, his father and his brother Judah. And then by doing so, they're in the line of Jesus. And that has an impact on your future, your eternity, the saving of many lives. It's pretty profound, isn't it? The opportunity that, that Joseph had here, not to just impact, impact his life, but the lives of his brothers and the life that you lead right now. So as you read this story, and I trust that you will, I know that we had to fly through all the details. You know, 13, 14 chapters is a lot to cover in one 30-minute talk. But Genesis chapter 37 to 50 is an important lesson to be learned about following God in and through your circumstances and seeing that, that God has something planned that we don't often understand. So as you read it, I challenge you to read it with that in mind, that, that as that story unfolds, it impacted your life because Jacob and Judah are in the line of Jesus and Jesus impacts your life. As you think about that, I want you to remember then the challenge that is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will that no matter where you find yourself in your circumstances today you can offer your body lay it on the line give God your faithfulness today and it will impact your life it may just impact the life of everyone who follows too that's the lesson that as Abraham led Isaac out into the desert and his faith impacted Isaac, Isaac's faith impacted Jacob, Jacob's faith impacted Joseph, Joseph's faith impacted the world. His brothers were saved and the line of Jesus was held true because of Joseph's faith. 
It impacted all of us. And so as you read those, those 13 or 14 chapters inside of Genesis, remember that it had an impact directly on your life and that your life, if you offer it as a living sacrifice, can be a testament to those who come behind you. What we do today impacts all of those that come behind us. Remember that as you read the story of Joseph this week. That you can offer your body as a living sacrifice in and through your circumstances. And it will change the way you see the things you're doing on a daily basis. You're every day living and breathing and going to work and playing with your kids. Those things will change if you realize they impact eternity. That as we do them faithfully, as we offer ourselves back to God, it impacts all those who come behind us. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to read your word and to draw out these principles, to see that, that these are not stories that are far off and untouched to our lives, Lord, but they have a direct impact that, that we see Joseph and his faithfulness, that you were with him in his circumstances, and we know that you'll be with us in ours. Lord, I pray that you would use us, that we would offer our hearts, our minds, our service to you, and that the generations that are affected would be many. Lord, that you would continue to use us for your good purposes. Lord, that we would overlook the pain and the struggle of our circumstance and only see you and the faithfulness that we have in these little tasks that we do and serve you well. That it would impact the coming generations exponentially. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to do that in these small ways every day, offering our body to you. In Jesus' name, amen.